0: Look there in Colossians chapter 1, it's been a good morning so far in church and will continue to be so as we give attention to the Word of God. Good to see all you youngins down on the front here, I appreciate it, it was my spot when I was a teenager, three days from now marks my 43rd anniversary of when I got saved, so that's pretty amazing, and I'm always within those first couple rows, even if I had to bounce somebody, not in it? And I uh, used to love it. Amen with my afro. Wow. big old afro, right? Mm-hmm. I do. My hair is naturally afro. I didn't pay for one. And uh, sit there. sure I drove my preacher nuts sometimes. I didn't know, I didn't know whether I was coming or going, but I knew, I knew I'd been saved. I wanted to serve the Lord. And so i always had a heart for our young folks. I appreciate it much. I appreciate you choosing to be here and uh, because they chose to be here. And I'm glad for that. Colossians chapter 1. Excellent passage, which Brother Carpenter read for you a few moments ago. A lot of good things in it, and certainly any of them worthy of our attention. But this morning, we basically are going to give our full attention into verse 18 with that. We'll have the, we'll catch our attention. I'm going to read again just to refresh your remembrance, starting in verse 13. It says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? I love that. Not just the position, but the very power of it. We don't have to walk blindly. We don't have to walk without illumination, knowing what we're doing. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. (laughs) I love this. Twice that word shows up in that form in the Bible. The other time it had to do with a fellow named Enoch who walked with God and was not. He never saw death. God just took Him. And that's an Old Testament picture of what's going to happen when the Lord Jesus returns and His saints are taken out of here. But it's a translation. We've been moved over into something else. He hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood. If that phrase is missing out of the book you're looking at, you might want to talk to me and find out because there's a lot else missing out of what you're looking at. And who may have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. The devil did a slick job of uh, deceiving when there was brought into the human mind the idea of evolution from species to species and uh, evolution as it is taught, Darwinian evolution. It destroys people's faith. It's a wrong teaching. It's an evil teaching. One of the most important things, especially for you young folks, all of us, but you young folks, Bible says remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth before the evil days draw nigh and I say I have no pleasure in them knowing that God created you and the God that created you is one who determines who you are he determines what gender you are he determines your life and you don't get to choose that that's him and so that creator is important and so you'll find that Christ is in that creative act. He is the one by whom all things are made. And then, of course, this brings us down uh, verse uh, eighteen or sixteen, look at the end of it again. All things were created by him and what? For him. You say, Well, what's the purpose of my life? It's for God. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Then verse 18, which will have our attention, and he, Jesus, is the head of the church, or the body, excuse me, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. We're going to learn more about that word preeminence later on. A lot of times when I'm teaching a message, I'll give you the main word and define it and give you application at the beginning, but I'm going to show you some things out of verse 18, and then when you come to the word preeminence, it'll It'll be able to take a special special place in your heart and mind with that. But I want to talk to you about the preeminence of Christ. I think you can see part of the definition when it says there that He is before all things. And all things are made for Him and His pleasure. That gives you an idea of what preeminence is about. Would you pray along with me and then then I'll give you just uh, a few thoughts here this morning. Father, thank You for the opportunity to open Your Word. I pray that I'll get out of the way of its power by simply clearly teaching and preaching it. And Father, I ask for a divine unction from heaven to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. And God, may your people be open to it. May any who sit among us who are not your people, may they understand the great sacrifice you've given for them. May they, as I did years ago, come to understand their need of you. It was a good day when you brought my heart under conviction and you humbled the pride of my heart. God, I pray that You'll work in this place this day. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Interesting. Look in verse 18. The church is described as a body. Now, one day, thank God, there will be a church, the General Assembly of the Firstborn in heaven. Right now, God's church, those, uh, those people who are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, who are His possession... God's design for this time and where we are in, in the timeline of history, as is evidenced by the teaching in the New Testament, are there to be churches, independent congregations of people. God has a design for that. A congregation, if it's scriptural, is to be pastor-led, a pastor-dominated. There's one that leads, and, and the whole message this morning is going to be about that one that leads, and it's Jesus Christ but it is to be passed or led in the same sense that the shepherd would lead his sheep with with an eye towards the great shepherd and making sure that you are treated uh, with the honesty and the respect and the uh, and the courtesy and the and the integrity that is befitting the the bride of Christ the body of Christ that you be treated that way that you be you have the truth spoken to you in love in other words you should expect when you come here and our church assembles, which is what this is this morning, our church is not a building in the properties. We've built all these buildings, done all this over the years, but, but it's not this. You save people who have voluntarily uh, become a part of this congregation, this church. Most of the time, Lighthouse Baptist Church is scattered out. Usually, in the course of a week, there are five different counties represented at some time or another, of people who come here to attend and so you're scattered to your homes your jobs your schools your uh, hobbies whatever you're doing but when we're assembled together god has a way things are to be done there's a purpose of things Amen. and uh, it's to be a pastor-led congregation a pastor is not a man-made position what we call pastor entails three things the bible talks about one is an elder that ruleth well and that elder is someone who has experience in following Christ, is experienced in the Christian life, and can help you to get to where you need to go next in your living. Then the other part of a uh, a pastor is a bishop, the bishop of the church. Uh, Brother Carpenter it has a pastoral role in, role in this church and has the heart to go with it, and the calling to go with it, and the uh, and the abilities. Um, but he is, uh, he is not the bishop of the church, for which he is very grateful, uh, and he expresses that to me. This one's yours, preacher. Um, and, and so the bishop has the administrative oversight. You may not think of such things as this, and now not belabor it, but when you put this many people together, and we have a Sunday morning, a Sunday evening, a Wednesday night service... There are full services. We have people coming to all of them. There are literally people on this property doing something at least six days a week. Myself, our staff—we don't Friday. We take Friday off, but the uh, but it is always things going on. Always things happening. We run buses. We we have the buildings. We have outreach programs. We have ministries. We have care. All of that. There are budgets. There are buildings. There's insurance. There's you know all the stuff that goes operating. We have vendors we have to deal with. All that. That bishop is overseeing, making sure that God's house has a very good name in the community, pays its bills on time, takes care of things in an upright way, which reflects properly on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the other one is a pastor, and that's the one generally folks around call, here call me pastor or preacher. And uh, the pastor is the shepherd, and uh, and I hope to uh, I hope to always have the heart of a shepherd. It always tears me up because, you know, <laughs> I need God's grace to make sure I do that. <laughs> if you catch me on the wrong, wrong day, I'm, I'm more likely to reach for the staff than the cover, you know, whap. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to do things the way the Lord wants to do that. And, uh, and so all this going on, God refers to His church here. If you look at it in verse 18, talking about Jesus, it said, He is the head of the body... Here's a parenthetical statement. The church. The church is the body. In fact, in another place in Scripture, it says the church which is His body. And so I want you to understand the church is described as a body. It's a living organism with interdependent parts. In other words, it's not just an organization. We tried to be organized this morning. If you knew all organization has to go on for everything to be ready, the classes to move from place to place this morning, uh, uh, junior churches displaced to this end instead of where they normally are, and Be Strong was in behind them, and little churches over here in the nursery. Everything has to be cared for. People are coming to sing from the different areas tonight. God willing, we have a choir special. People, it's not as complex on a Sunday night. People have to come in. The ushering goes on, the cards are handed out, things have to be ready all that goes on, we don't just walk up here and wing it. We come organized and come hunting God. If God wants to get involved and change something around, we're all for that. We're not going to be formal and ritualistic, but we come trying to be honoring to God. But listen to me. It's not just an organization. You can fill a building through organization and programs and outreach and that sort of thing. You can fill a large building that way, but it'll never be the living organism that it ought to be when God's people who are filled by the Spirit of God know they are born again by the power of God get together as a body. I'm glad for that. Uh, I'm glad my body's somewhat organized. My hands are thin in my arm, that's a good thing. You know, got a ear on each side of the head, two on one side, would it be a bit annoying? I, I'm glad it is. But that's not what gives it life. And it is the Spirit of God that gives us life. And so He the church is described as a body. Catch this: the body has a purpose. And it has a function. Look at the verse again in verse 18. So think of those two things. The body, the church, has a purpose and it has a function. Verse 18. And He, again, that He is referring to Jesus Christ, and He is the head of the body. The church. Christ is the head of that body that is the church. The purpose of the body very simply, is to please the head and to accomplish its will. I don't just make a big conscious decision to do it, it's natural for me, but I have decided at some level of thinking to walk back and forth on the platform while I'm talking right now. If my mind decided to do that and my body didn't go along with it, I would have a real problem. <laughs> My feet are necessary to accomplish what my head wants to do, which is be moving around right now. My legs are necessary for that to happen. The gesticulation, the actions I make when I'm, when I'm doing they're kind of a natural thing for me, but my body determines that. Or my head determines My body sometimes does. I do weird things, you know. If you see me doing something totally strange, it's my body took over. Um, but the head determines that. My body's purpose is to fulfill the will of the head. that simple enough? The Bible says that the head is Jesus Christ. The church is His body. The purpose of us as a church, you say, well, our purpose is to impact our community, reach our community. I like that word a lot better. I believe I said the other word. Uh, to reach our community, evangelize, reach them for Christ, get the gospel out. That's, that's what we're supposed yes. Because that is part of the will of the head. say, well, our purpose is to teach people the Bible and have very clear Bible teaching in all the Sunday school classes available for all ages and the adult classes. To teach the Bible and help people get grounded in the faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, you're right. That's part of the will of the head. It's revealed in the Word of God. You say, well, our purpose is that we support the ministries through our giving and support worldwide missions programs whereby people have uh, the gospel brought to them, churches planted, Bibles distributed to them, and then out from those places of strength, uh, different things such as food needs, clothing needs, all those things are addressed. But the primary thing always being the gospel. In other words, you feed somebody indefinitely and never tell them the gospel. How much have you helped them if you fed them? But they die lost and go to hell. We believe that both things are important, but we should never neglect the gospel. You say, well, that's all part of it. Yes, it is. But can we narrow it down? Can we put it in one thing? The purpose of this church, right here, this congregation, the, our purpose, as defined by the Bible, is to please Jesus Christ. In what we do, in how we do it, not to run after every fad and fashion in the world. But to obey what we believe the Bible clearly teaches is supposed to be the purpose of a New Testament church. Not only does the body have a purpose, but it has a function. The function of the body is for each part to do its part and thereby strengthen the rest of the body to be able to obey and please the head. My wife and I got to spend some time with the Lord and did for a little bit part of the day. We got to spend some time with my sister and a cousin of mine. They drove. My sister and cousin drove over here. We uh, took them down. My cousin has been <laughs> threatening to come for a couple of decades, and she she made it. We had a great time. But we took them. We went to Ashgate. We went down to the Jack Pine Studio with the glass blowing in that. And then we did a five star dinner. You know where, don't you? Village Cafe, Laurelville, five star. Amen. They come, the maitre d meets you. Anyway, it's a we all like home cooking, and then we ran around, did some other things, and we followed them as far as Washington courthouse as they were heading back towards Western Ohio, had dinner with them over there, and then came back home. My cousin had been having very serious health problems of various types, she'd had to have open heart surgery a while back and such. But on January 1st, her blood sugar. When she checked it, it wasn't just spiking up; it was staying up in the 300s, like 364, 346. Yeah, those you know those numbers know how ridiculously high that is. And no matter what med she took, it just kept going worse. She started checking out a place that deals with nutrition. I'm teaching something about this. And she said, no one I ever went to ever talked to me about insulin resistance. I said, Yeah. That's major with your body," she said. No one, and she started talking about these things, and she would made some basic changes in what she's doing. And she told me, she said, "I got up, my blood sugar was 120, it's holding there." And she said, "I'm not offering you medical advice. I'm offering you to check things out, not just to take what you're given without checking it out. And realizing God made your body to be able to heal." It do so, and so she said, uh, She said, This is amazing. She says, She says, the doctor's angry at me because I took myself off my medicine and said, Why would I keep taking it? It's it doesn't, I cannot tell a difference whether I'm on or off, and now I start doing these things naturally. And your medicine, I was on your medicine when I was at 300, and now I'm at 120, you know. Yeah, logical. That's why I miss it. So many people miss it. See what's that got to do with this message? You ready? The church is called a what? Body. body. Oh, there you go. Maybe all are conscious. That's awesome. <laughs> now encourage that right now. And so the church is called the body. The best thing the body can ever do is get healthy. The function is what I'm talking about. And as we were talking, and she's not real conversing on different things. Medically, yeah, but we were talking about and my wife was talking to her about, but oh, you know your pancreas need strength and stuff because I was the long you that your pancreas produces the insulin and all that and uh, in, a, in a normal situation and, and she said, oh yeah, she says right now she was talking about a couple things she was doing and I told her, I said, look, I said the, the neatest thing about what you're doing, the neatest thing about I applaud you for what you're doing is you're realizing what you've got to do is get the whole thing starting to get healthy because when the whole thing starts to get healthy, everything's taken care of. People get very isolated. They say, well, my liver needs help. One day, it was a funny thing. I was eating over at the Frisch's restaurant years ago, and they used to have liver and onions. Right? That way you can smell bad and eat something that looks gross, right? <laughs> but uh, I happen to like liver and onions. And so I had ordered liver. And, and you say, that's a filter. I know, it's a cow filter. and not that awesome? I eat chicken filters, cow filters sometimes. Not a lot. Uh, by the other way, uh, by the way, you suffer from gout. Do not get near that stuff. And and so I uh, I had ordered that, and the waitress came around. She was really you know kind of harried. She was uh, you know rushing, and she just comes up, real fast to my table, and she stops, and she looks at me, and I was sitting there. I to the restaurant. I was working. I looked up at her, and she said, "Pastor, how's your liver?" And I said, "Fine." And yours? <laughs> and she just. Lost it, you know. <laughs> like, <are> you know, I <laughs> never had anybody asked me how my liver was before. That it was very kind. Um, but she said, you know, I'm focusing on that. And I said, that, that's awesome. That's probably a good thing because she would have been a good candidate for some things that need to be taken care of for there. But I said, you do realize if you're focusing just like you're doing, if you just keep learning what you're learning, if you keep saying, it's not someone else's job to make me healthy, it's mine. It's not somebody else's job to make me healthy. It's mine. I don't just go jump and let them do whatever because they said do it. I research. I find out. Go on. I said, if you keep doing that, I said, here's the neat thing. Everything will start getting healthy. And everything starts coming online like it should. Listen to me. I didn't just choose an illustration because, oh, this is a neat illustration. The illustration was born of the biblical truth. His church, which is the body. God describes you and I as a church, as a body. There is a purpose to the body and that purpose is to do the will of the head and to be pleasing to the head and the function is for us to help one another do that. Wouldn't y'all agree that there's enough that can come into your eyes and ears through the course of a day and a week enough that can discourage tear down and disillusion you and the most perverse wicked and degenerate parts of our society get the most airtime if if you if you just listen to the media stuff you would you would believe and I'm talking about, I'm talking about blogs I'm talking about podcasts I'm talking about you know God help us Twitter and Tweeter and fluffers and fluffers and all, and all this stuff. Hey, I don't care what you do. Your social medias, all this stuff. That you think are realities. So many of the things that are put out that makes you think that everybody thinks perversion's okay, everybody thinks all the all the nonsense is okay. They don't. Well, there's a lot of folks who do, but there's still a lot of folks who know right is right, wrong is wrong. Decency's decency is decency. And uh, they just don't always speak up. there are others who try to keep them from being able to speak up. I love the tolerant people who want to censor and make criminal somebody else speaking the truth. Mm, Interesting, huh? And so with this thing of the body, the function of the body, we're supposed to help one another. There's enough to tear you down every day. Wouldn't it be good if we had a group of people who tried to encourage each other that you can go forward in the Lord, that you can do what you ought to do, that you can live right, that you can do right. May God help us to do it, because He wants us to. Look at First Corinthians chapter twelve. First Corinthians chapter twelve. God uses a really I think it's a really interesting illustration. I have a somewhat warped sense of humor. I find humor in a lot of things. Sometimes things maybe that I shouldn't find humor in, not in an evil way. I just, I just think they're funny. But in the Bible, there are things I'm not irreverently laughing at the Bible. I just think it's kind of neat the way God, God said it. You know, I was reading, and a uh, study area I'm in, the book of Isaiah right now, in my own personal study, talks about when the Assyrians came in, they were going to try to take over the nation of Israel, And 185,000 of them, an angel of the Lord killed 185,000 of them in one night. And it says, and behold, when they woke up, they were all dead corpses. Well, you understand from the context the other people, there were more than 185,000 people there. So a bunch of them woke up and tried to wake the guys up and they're all dead. Because they made this boast how God couldn't protect Israel and all that. And God said, I'm going to put a hook in your nose. Think about that. He said, I'm going to put a hook in your nose. He said that to the king of Assyria. And he turned me back around. And by the way, that king that was threatening Israel, he went back to his home country after this deal, was worshiping his false god, his idol, and his own two sons assassinated him while he was doing it. Very amazing. But I think that's funny. And They woke up, they were dead corpses. I just think that's funny. There's, There's a verse where it says, David... David played with his hand. He's talking about on the heart. But I imagine him going, one little two, little three, you know. So forgive me, I've a bit of warped mind. but God uses an illustration here, and he shows us something that's I'm not saying the word of God's absurd, he shows us something that would be absurd thinking to get our attention about how we're supposed to operate. Are you in First Corinthians twelve? If you are, look there in verse thirteen. It says, for by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. There are different baptisms taught in the Bible. John the Baptist preached the baptism of repentance. It's not what we do uh, that's done now. What we do, where after someone receives Christ as their Savior. They are taken completely under the water and back up again as an outward symbol of what's happened inside. They believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe upon a clear profession of faith, someone should immediately follow the Lord in baptism, and we always are prepared to do that at every service here. And so, this baptism is the fact that when we got saved, something that we couldn't touch, we couldn't taste and see, we had no sensory of it, although there may have been some emotion attached, may or may not have been, but something real happened that we were placed in Jesus Christ. It's pretty amazing. Luke, me. I use you for a moment? Can you come up here for a second? I think you're taller than me, but you're be- de- definitely less body mass, all right? <laughs> think a little short. If, shrink, sure there. Sure. If, I can't do this because I'm torn to span, but if he gets in the right position, I'm not tall enough, I'm wide enough, I can, he can hide behind me. If you were to look, say, Who do you see? Now, you would say, You could tell. <laughs> I like it. How long can you do it? Hey, bro, what's happening? <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> some of my here, I'm angry. Um, Anyway, he, uh, if he's back here doing this and you say, Who do you see? You would say, I see Pastor. You can tell there's somebody back here because he's hidden behind me. Thank you, sir. You do a great job with the house. Like that. I don't see you walked down. That's <laughs> awesome. There we go. Um, I don't know. That really cool car you're driving and stuff. That made me decide. But here's the thing about it: when we get saved, more emphatically than just hiding behind somebody. You think about Brother Keith. If I brought Brother Keith up here, if I brought uh, uh, Brother Carpenter up here, I could stand behind him. Pretty well be eclipsed by them. There's are large men. Right, I could hide behind. Them. But if you think about, okay, I look up there and I see Pastor mainly. You know, looks back by but I vaguely see him more emphatically than that. When we got saved, something happened. We were baptized into. We were placed into the person of Jesus Christ. I can't even comprehend everything I know about it, much less explain it all. But literally, when God looks at me, He literally sees Jesus Christ. I am clothed in His righteousness. I am covered by His goodness. It's not my religion. It's not being, me being an ordained Baptist preacher. It's not the 42 years of preaching the gospel. It's the, the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ and that only that I can depend upon. So I love it. I'm in mean, Christ. What a place to be. And so it says we were baptized by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, into one body. Verse 13, continuing, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all made to drink into one spirit. Now, watch this very quickly with it because it shows you the whole thing here. For the body, talking about a physical body, is not one member, but many. It'll explain to you what it means. If the foot, and this is where I think it's, it's humorous, not disrespectfully, it's just I love the way the Lord explained it to us. If the foot shall say, and there's a great line? I don't know about you all, my feet have never actually talked to me. And uh, that's 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 good. I hope they don't. All right. They, they send they send messages, though. Um, it says, for if the foot shall say. Uh, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Would you all agree the hand and the foot are different and uh, they serve different functions? Maybe you can walk on your hands, but you won't do it indefinitely. You have it there. Is it therefore not of the body? In other words, it says, well, I'm not a, I'm not a foot, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. That's the Christian people who say, well, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not a bus worker. I'm not a whatever. I'm not a part So I'm not... No, 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 no. That's not right. Watch what it says. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye... I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye... That's a weird thought. I'm glad that's not going on. I'd hate to be looking out at that. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole, body, if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now watch. God's not just teaching about the human body. He's teaching about how we're supposed to work as a church. Remember, we're talking about Christ, uh, the preeminence of Christ. We're talking about that his church is a body. These are all Bible things. Now watch it. But now, verse 14, or 18 rather, hath God set the members different parts, every one of them in the body, what 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 determined that? As it hath pleased what? Yes. Him. Please God. That's why. And if they were all the If they were all one member, where were the body? It wouldn't be a body anymore. But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the ear cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. Pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, uh, what happens is that God says you need the whole body. And we know people who either they were born without certain function in the body. They have perhaps a limb missing, perhaps something not operating as it should operate. We know people who have been injured and and through injury or illness have been incapacitated in some area and, and that sort of thing. We all know that and we know there's some amazing ways people adapt to that. By the way, I just personally am very, very pleased that Some of the capacity mankind's been given to develop technology has been used to help people who have those situations. I'm glad every time I see that. You know, I'll be um, uh, in September, uh, God willing, I'll be 59 years old, so I remember very well when we did not have the technologies. I'll see people whose lives have been completely helped beyond, and I'm glad for that. You're talking about a great use for something. That's a great use for life. But our body, we can't say, I don't need it. I need my feet. I need my hands. Have you ever injured somebody you couldn't use it for a while? That's no fun at all. Is preacher, what did you injure that you couldn't use for a while? My brain, do you remember? <laughs> Several years ago, literally. <laughs> I kind of missed it after a while. I really did. I was glad it came back. And no comments on that, please. I think it came back, so don't don't tell me if it hasn't. The main purpose for the church is not for you or for me. It's not for our community not for our town. The main purpose of our church is for Jesus Christ. I wonder how many times God's name's been used in vain this week in our city. I wonder how many times dies of God who go to and fro and see the evil and the good. I wonder how many times they've seen evil. Or have, seen, have seen evil this week. I wonder how many times God's watched people take His creation and pervert it in some way this week. People that God cares about and loves who are damaging themselves through any number of things that they're doing. A God who can see the thought and intent of our heart has looked at people who look good on the outside who are full of bitterness, hatred, anger, all these other things. I wonder how many times this week. Wouldn't it be good if there was a gathering together His name was praised. His name was honored and glorified. His book was opened and believed. Where people who have the Spirit of God living in them get to hear the Word of God clearly preached and allow that thing that starts happening inside of them that says that's right. That's a good way of doing it. Let Let that translate into action. Doing something for the Lord. We can give that to God. The main purpose of Lighthouse Baptist is not for us to... Proclaim what a great church we are. Compare ourselves with somebody else. Not at all. The purpose is to please Jesus Christ. Everything that's done and how it's done. The main thing, Brother Carpenter has worked with me a lot of years now. And he can tell you the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. When we're working on staff questions and meetings about things. The main thing I have is our interaction towards people as we need to be just. How we deal with people. The second thing is, is this pleasing to God? What does God's Word show? Before we start out, is this the way God wants it? I won't guarantee you I get it right 100% of the time, but I will guarantee you, Hunter, I want to get it right. And I'll tell you what, that God is, God's worthy of it. That's for sure. That's for sure. And then let me finish out here with this. Um, don't confuse that with us being done quite yet. But uh, we see... The church is described as a body. We see Christ as the head. We see the body has a purpose and a function. Then we see how the headship was achieved. Look back in our verse uh, back there. I moved from it. Maybe you did too. Look back in Colossians again. Colossians 1 and uh, verse 18. But look how the headship was achieved. When I came here as a pastor, there was a group of men within our church here. And uh, there was a recommendation. I was recommended over from the church where I was serving as assistant pastor. Of course, we had a. Our numerically, we were a very small church, and we're meeting in a rented facility over here on Wheeling Street, and by Nick's Pizza. And uh, that'll be uh, that'll be September 6 be thirty one years ago. And we came over. I, as a young man, twenty seven year old man. They they said uh, they. They well, me. I came over and preached and then I asked, was asked to come back and preach as a possible candidate for the church. Uh, I knew I was supposed to pastor since I was seven, you know, 16 years old, 16 years old, I got saved 15 and 16. I knew God wanted me to preach and I also knew I should pastor someday. And so I knew that. My preacher, who I was working for at the time, we started that church, we're building it. Um, he knew that. He knew when I went there to help him, it was temporary because I was supposed to pastor one day. We were in agreement on that. It was by his recommendation that, that, that I came over. And so the church said, it's the way we do things in, in our independent Baptist churches. The church had me over and I preached and different things happened. I won't go into all the detail of it. But the congregation took a vote, unanimously voted in. We, we extended a call to you as a pastor. So that was the church's response. That's what they're supposed to do. As a as young man, uh, my wife and I were in agreement on it, and uh, my oldest son was four months old at the time, and we uh, we had uh, we accepted that call to come over and become pastor of this people. Now that's how that's how I became the earthly shepherd of this congregation. There's uh, a provision. Maybe I shouldn't tell you this, but I think everybody's pretty, pretty happy right now. Seventy-five percent majority can vote me out. Notice I don't mention that every six weeks. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's called being wise, Amen. Uh, but that there, there is a provision. If God forbid, I should go off doctrinally, that I should go off morally. There's a provision that this church can stay what it ought to be and go forward because that's that's an important thing with it. Uh, because you follow Christ. You follow Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. Now, that's how I became the leader. We had a young man visiting with us, a relatives of uh, uh, Bethany's, and we went to lunch after after the service. And it was funny. He asked me a question. This is hilarious to me. Those of you who know me well, it's, it's really funny because of the way I view pastoring and what I know it's a servanthood. I know it is leadership, but it's a servant leadership. It is a ministry. It is something we're being faithful with. But he looked at me. We were sitting there eating. I didn't expect it, Brother And He looked at me and he goes, who's the boss at the church? I said, excuse me? He says, who's the boss at the church? I said, where do you ask Who runs the church? Who's the boss there? And so it's funny. Logan's looking at me about to crack up. And I said, what, what are you trying to find out? Well, who, 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 who runs those things? And I said I, I said, I don't use that term, but I guess I am. I said, I'm in the leadership of the church. I decided... Who our teachers are and what our program is, and I leave the church, and he sat back, he's satisfied, and he goes, "Okay, you're the boss." So I just need to tell you all that this morning, right? I have a good authority. I'm the boss. Um, <laughs> but how did Jesus in his headship of the church? Because his is an absolute. It's right here in this verse. I was voted in by a congregational vote. Things went in proper order. Had the blessing of the church from which I came. I didn't sneak out and decide something without my pastor knowing I was doing it. And that way it went. And we went out there and we did things the right way. But how did Jesus become the head of the church? Well, let's look in verse 18. And He is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. The beginning refers back to verses 16 and 17. Look at verse 16 and 17. Speaking of Jesus, and you can see that, you read it, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. See, we can't look on God in all His glory, like I'm looking at y'all down here in their eyeballs here on the front row, and we can't do that with God in all His glory. It will kill us. So God robed Himself or, or covered Himself in flesh, became a man so that we could see who He was. And that's what it's talking about there. And then look what it says about Jesus there in verse 16. For by Him were all things created. That matches John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And so how did He become uh, become the head? Because of the beginning. He's the creator. For by him were all things created there are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Watch it. All things are created by him and also what? For him. So not only by him, but we belong to God. We belong to God. Good man, This church and I were having a discussion and something came up and I wrote on a 3x5 card, man-centered religion. It's destructive. And I'll tell you, it shows up in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways it does is we're more concerned with whether people are happy and whether people are, are, are being uh, not being upset by something than we are whether or not we're pleasing God. May we always want to please God and let us be courteous. Let's never be displeasing to people because we're being out of the way or ugly or anything like that. But let's please God. And if that displeases somebody, you've got to be displeased because God's the issue. Let's have that clear. Let's have the strength of God to stand for these things. Another message perhaps will be more particular on particulars with that, but that's not the purpose of this morning. So why would you say that? So I don't take off on the rabbit trail I'm looking at. So how did Jesus become the head of the church? Well, he's the creator. (laughs) He owns it. He made it. It's his. In fact, Jesus introduced the word church. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's not a man-made idea. I hear people say, "Run down the word church." Oh, I'm not part of church. But no, I, I don't put with any of that nonsense. I don't. I don't fall for that kind of nonsense. I've heard those kind of things for forty some years. People, oh, they think they're so smart. Well, I'm not part of any organized religion. Well, I don't want to be. Uh, Fully. church. God called it a church. Amen. Let's use God's term. Call it what God calls it. And it's not an amorphous amalgamation of people come together for the veterans of their humanity. It's a church the church and so how did he do it through the beginning and then look at verse 18 again look what it says the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead what is that Uh, that's resurrection power see here's what actually happened jesus christ is god in the flesh he became man without ceasing to be god he lived on this earth for about 33 years during that time, the Bible says, He did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. Not only was He not sinful, He never even tried to deceive anybody. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But when Jesus got to about 33 years of old, He suffered a death. And not just any death, but the Roman crucifixion. Which was not just execution, it was a barbaric torture that was designed to instill fear in people, so they did not come against the Roman government. He literally was butchered. Yes. The Bible says, when you looked upon him, you could no longer tell you, you couldn't tell man. Why did one who was sinless die if the wages of sin is death and he had never sinned? It's very simple. He didn't die for his sin, he died because of ours. He died not only for us, but He died as us. He was made to become sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now after this horrific death, this slow lingering horrific uh, shaming death, they placed Him in a borrowed tomb. This was carved into a stone. They called it a sepulcher and it was a grave place where they put Him in. In front of it was a trench type area and they rolled a large stone in. So when that stone dropped in, it would be very, very hard to move it out because you know it's down here. Then, through some persuasion through the Jewish officials, the Roman governor had a seal and type that they attached to that stone to let people know they would be under penalty of law if they with it. Then, to try to make it even stronger, they put a guard around it. Well... The unbelieving Jews and the Roman governor and all the devils of hell could do everything they wanted to do to try to keep Jesus in the grave. But what they could not do was keep Jesus in the grave. Right. After three days and three nights, the angel of glory came down, rolled the stone away. The guards fell down like they were dead. And i told you before, but I love it and I love to repeat it. And the angel sat on the stone. I think that is the most ultimate expression of God's contempt for human power compared with His own. You have that stone with the the governor's big seal on it. You can't mess with this thing. And He sat on the stone. Why? Showing that death could not keep our Savior. That sin did not win. That the devil's destruction of humanity is not forever. That the brokenness that we had in our in our, our lives we were lost and broken and undone without sin. It's gone, that we can have new life. We were born again by the Spirit of God. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. God's made all things new. That's what happened. So, how did Jesus become the head of the church? Through the power of the resurrection. I'll tell a story I've told before, but I think it's hilarious. Brother John Bishop was a preacher. Brother Bishop suffered, uh, I think he had meningitis didn't he? Is that what he did, Jason? And his memory was wiped away completely. Now here he is. He had Brother Bishop he had to be at least in the late 40s when that happened, mid 40s, late 40s, something like that. And he was telling the story. He had to learn everything again. When he came out of it, he didn't know who his wife was. And he used to say, his speech became very childlike. It was an educated man for this happened, but his speech became very childlike, so I'm not making fun. It's just an answer. And so when he preached, he preached like this when he's talking to you. Hello, my name is Brother Bishop, and I want to talk to you about how good God is to me. It's just faith. And he got up, and he's preaching. I heard him. He's in front of a crowd of about 7000 said this. He said, I am every woman's dream. He said, when I came out of the hospital, he said, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what husband. I didn't know what wife. He says, my wife got to teach me everything I know. I am every woman's dream. (laughs) (laughs) And he was preaching about Christ. And he said, I was flying to a meeting. And he said, I was traveling in first class. He said, I fly a lot. And so I was traveling in first class. He said, a doctor lady came and sat beside me. He said, she was in first class because she had lots of money. and I was in first class because I had lots of money. And he said, she got talking to me and said, what? What are you? And I told her, I am a Baptist preacher. And he said, she started making fun of the religion and that sort of thing. And he said, she was, said, let me ask you. She said, the thing that upsets me is Jesus' claim to exclusivity. How dare him claim exclusivity? And they said, I told the lady, if you tell me what that word means, I will explain it to you. <laughs> and she says, everyone preaches about Jesus, says he is the only Savior. What right does he have to exclusivity? And he said, when she said it, he said, Doctor Lady was spitting on my face. She would say it to her. <laughs> and he said, so I looked at Doctor Lady, and he said, well, he goes best way as I can explain it to you is when you come back from the dead, you get to make your own rules. <laughs> Many relates later, she was having trouble opening peanuts, and he goes, Dr. Lady had to help me, get me to help open her peanuts." Uh, Dr. Lady had to open the peanuts, But it was, what right does he have to be the head of the church? Because he grows from the dead. Does he save us? And can I give you something that maybe will even touch even closer home to you right now? You know why he has the right to be head of this, this church? Because he loves each of you individually in a way nobody else can. And it's, it's a pure love. It's not a manipulative type love. He's not trained to say this or that with it. He says it's a pure love. That means if you need correction, you'll send that. It means if you need chastening, he's willing to do that. It. it means if you need comfort, maybe the Bible knows that but if you do. He knows that. He's the head of the church, which is the body. The final thing, and this is the final thing I said starting to before, but this is it. We see what the final outcome of this headship is. Look at the end of verse 18. What's all this about? That in all things, by the way, that word "all" is used eleven times in twelve verses, starting in in verse nine. You want to do a study through that part of Colossians. All, 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 eleven times in twelve verses. Look, look there at the end of verse eighteen. That in all things, He Jesus might have the preeminence. What is the preeminence? It is the leadership. It is the origin. It is the dominant position. It's interesting. It's from the word proteo. We talk about a prototype. We're using the same phraseology. That from which something is supposed to be fashioned and copied and and duplicated. What is it? He said he would have the preeminence. Now I'm going to end with something. that, As I wrote it, I had to take my time writing it because I'm seeking the Lord as I'm writing this. That preeminence where Christ has the uppermost consideration. We've talked about it in our services, the way we conduct things and that. And I see you say, yeah, that's right. Let's think about it for our lives and our living. In all things, He's to have the preeminence. When we assemble together corporately, He is to have the preeminence. But when we are about our daily lives individually, He is to have a preeminence. When I choose what I'm going to say, He's supposed to have a preeminence. When I choose how I'm going to conduct myself in business and with others and in life, He is supposed to have a preeminence. I am never to be thoughtless towards Him, but ever mindful of Him. I'm never to just go on and not consider God in my decisions. That in all things he might have a preeminence. Why? Because he's the head of the body, the church. And it's not, Brother Carpenter, the church just when we're assembled here on Cedar Hill Road. We are emphatically his church and hopefully effectively his church when we're scattered out in our day-by-day living that in all things He might have the preeminence. Let me ask you something. I just—I want you to answer me, but I do, want you to, I do want you to answer. And if you can't answer honestly and early right now, I want you to give it consideration. Does Jesus Christ have preeminence in your life? What position does He actually occupy to you? Preeminence? Tack-on? Think about it. that in all things he might have the preeminence. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together, please? Father, thank you for your people, their good attention to your word. God, may we give attention to your word more than just the hearing of it, but what you've given us to understand from it. Lord, I pray you'll send what is needed into each of us, whether it be conviction or comfort, strengthening. Purposefulness to obey you, whatever it may be. Bless this invitation with people making actual decisions in their heart towards you. Please. Let's stand together with our heads bowed, please.